Thank you for coming today. Thank you for being here this morning for this time together. We have been studying the parables of Jesus. And over the last three months, two and a half months, we've been reading some of the many parables that Jesus uh, uh, told. And uh, today's the final message in the series. We end with what might be the best known parable of Jesus. For me, and I told you two weeks ago that my two favorite parables, I preached two weeks ago on the prodigal son and today on this parable to me that just absolutely for my personality and my spirit captures what I believe God wants me to be. Maybe the parables are like my grandkids. I have 11 grandkids, and every one of them are my favorite. And I just love to call one of them to my side when the other four are, or 10 or whatever they are, they're, they're there and they can hear me. And I say, Gideon, you're my favorite grandchild. And then they're all looking, you know. And Gideon, I am, you know. And then I grab Wendy and Come over here, Wendy. Wendy, you're my favorite grandchild. And I do that all the time. Now they know what I'm going to say. So I got to come up with something new. Man, they're all my favorite. And in a sense, the parables seem like that a little bit to me. Every one of them has something deep from the heart of Jesus. And it's amazing what he teaches us. This parable of the Good Samaritan is precious. This parable is Jesus' response to a question. Actually, two questions that were asked to Jesus by a man that uh, in Luke chapter 10 is called a, a, an expert in the law. He came to Jesus and he had a question for him. And we know his motives weren't quite right because of the context. Because it says on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So we know that his... His heart really wasn't seeking truth like in our parable a couple weeks ago. We think the Pharisee was really seeking truth. But this one, it seems a little less sure. But he had two questions for Jesus. The first question is the same question that many people ask. And were asked of Jesus on more than one occasion. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That was a big question. It was then and it is now. How can we know for sure that when we die that there's something more. And so, that was the question that he asked. And, of course, Jesus responded about, well, what do you think is the most important from the law? And the man answered correctly, to love the Lord your God. And he talked about loving God with all of his heart and his neighbor as himself. I mean, he got the answer right. The man knew in his heart what was right, but yet there was something missing uh, I, I'm sorry, he knew in his head the question, he knew what was right, but there was something missing down inside of what was important here. And so he asked the question, that question that prompted a very wise Jesus to tell a parable. The question was this, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So I'd like you to consider this morning for a time, that question, for your life. I'm trying to consider that for my life. And how I'm going to spend my time. 
That's the big thing for me. I never have enough time to do all the things that I should do. So God, what do you want me to do with the time I have? To me, this parable speaks to that in my heart and my life. That's one reason I love this parable so much. It just, for me, and everybody has passages that are key for you and that you feel like God connects to what you believe and, and you, you believe God wants you to do with your life. But I have, to, I have to tell you this parable, and I saved it for last in this series because for me, this parable speaks to me about what God wants for me in my heart and my life. It may be different, God, what he's speaking to you. But we're going to read this story. Luke chapter 10, verse 36. If you want to follow along, if you want to read it, want to read from the pew, or you have your phone, uh, you just want to listen to it, listen to this story. And what's incredible about this, this parable is how quickly Jesus responded to the question, who is my neighbor? Man, Jesus gave this parable that is so deep and so true and so wise, and it's like he did it on a dime. Who is my neighbor? And this is what Jesus comes up with. Jesus is a good teacher. You want to know truth. Look at the context of the parable and why Jesus said it and then what he said. And it's an amazing read. It's an amazing part of it. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to have eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bent, excuse me, and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus' response to this question, who is my neighbor, to me, illustrates so clearly and so deeply what God's heart is for people. On both sides, on all three sides, on all the characters of this story, this parable, to me, captures the heart of God. If somebody says to me, well, Tell me what you think about God and who He is and how He looks at us and how He looks at our world. This is one of many, and there are many, but this is one that I would say, read Luke chapter 10 and the story of the Good Samaritan. If you want to know what God is like, read this parable. The greatest commandment the expert in the law 
was right about that, but he had missed something deep and something important. He knew in his mind what God wanted, but he had to ask the question, who is my neighbor, as if that was so important. And it was important. But it's important because God wants us to see people like he does. He wants us to see people with compassion and mercy and love and grace. He wants us to see people that are hurting. He doesn't want us to live outside of the circle of seeing the needs of people around us. Sometimes we can get insulated from what people are going through. Sometimes even our our neighbor next door or a family member and we're kind of caught up with how we see things and our lives and, and we don't quite see the road that our friend, our family member, our neighbor is laying on. This commandment and this parable to me remind me of how important it is how we look at the people in our lives. He said to justify himself, who is my neighbor? All throughout the Bible, God is showing us his heart for hurting people. There are many, many hundreds of scriptures that if we take time to stop and read and we say, what is God saying here? They, they will have great impact on how we look at the people around us. I'm going to give you a couple examples. Psalm chapter 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Do you know that God knows our emotions and our feelings and our hurts and our problems deeply and He notices them and He cares about them? He is close to the brokenhearted. Another psalm, chapter 147, verse 3 says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Somehow God sees all the hurts and pains of a broken devastated, getting worse world that we live in. All the things that we see in America and, and outside of America that are, that are devastating and we, we weep at and we're broken by, I want you to know that God is also broken by that. He cares deeply about people that are hurting. He notices them. I don't understand why God just doesn't come and make it all right today. It seems to me that that would be the best course of action. But then I know God sees it different than I do. But one day he's going to come and he's going to make all things new as Revelation says. There will be no more pain or sorrow or death or crying. But all things will be made new. But for a time we live in the day where we live in the day of pain. I want you to know just as you can feel the pain for people. You feel the pain of people when somebody in your life is hurting or broken or you go through something, you feel that deep pain or sadness. I want you to know that God does even more. He binds up their wounds. God sees every need, every heart. The book of Isaiah, the two Psalms I read and In the book of Isaiah, it's an incredible book about how God sees and hears and feels and and understands the hurt and pain. And, And Isaiah talks about how God wants His people to see the needs of others. I'm going to read a few verses from chapter 58. Isaiah 58, if you're inclined to, you have time to read that chapter sometime today. It will 
It will say some things to you about the heart of God. But just listen to these verses. Verse, I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them? Isaiah is saying, this is what God wants for my people. He says all the fasting and the, the other religious things you do, there's nothing wrong with them, but if they lead to the right actions, that, that's what I want. That's what real prayer and fasting is, is going out and seeing the needs of people and doing whatever you can to help them. That is what God wants from us. Verse 10 and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always and He will satisfy your needs. There's a lot of passages throughout the Bible that remind us of how important it is, not only that God is compassionate, but His people have a heart of compassion and eyes that see the needs of people around us. And then Jesus came to fulfill grace and truth. And, and you remember when he began his ministry, he quoted from the book of Isaiah. And Luke chapter 4 talks about what Jesus said. He was quoting in part, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me uh, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to set the oppressed free. Jesus, God cares about hurting people no matter how they got there whether it was all their own fault and they made terrible decisions and they brought it all themselves or someone did it to them or circumstances were there, God cares about hurting people. Sometimes, and I do, I, I tend to differentiate when I see a hurting person, well, did they bring it on themselves? And that's a different category, it feels like. Maybe there's something for that. But the truth is, God cares about hurting people even if they've done it to themselves. That's called mercy. And what did Jesus say here? The one who did mercy. My favorite verse, my life verse, I've quoted it so many times, I hope you guys haven't memorized Micah chapter 6, verse 8. The Lord has asked me, what is good and what doth He require of thee to love justice, to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. They have a heart that loves people no matter where they're at or how they got there. Okay, now we come to the parable. The broken man. The broken man. Attacked on the road. This nameless man. Somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. When Debbie and I and my dad went to Israel, one of the places that I stopped was on that highway that goes away from Jerusalem toward the Dead Sea, and you get about halfway down that highway, and then a road goes off toward Jericho. And my dad and I were together, and we pulled off the side of the road not far from that place. And I just, I just wanted to feel this story. I talked to Dad about it. I said, Dad, I just want to pull over here and look at the land, the road to Jericho. I think it's as desolate today as it was 2,000 years ago. There's no houses. It's not, it's not built up. It is an isolated, rolling, dry, rocky uh, countryside. Uh, nobody lives in that area, at least right at, 
right in that area we were at. And you can just see the isolation and desolation that, that Jesus thought of when He told this story. I don't know how many times Jesus walked from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea or from Jerusalem to Jericho or Jericho to the Dead Sea. I'm sure people walked all the time there and, and He would have known how desolate it was. Well, this is the road that this man was attacked on. We don't know his name. We don't know his circumstances. This is a story. This is a parable. But we know he was beaten up terribly. One translation says that he was fallen upon by the robbers. You imagine the shock of being on a journey and everything going well and all of a sudden your life changes. Your life is taken. Or much of your life is taken away. And you're beaten up and left for dead. There's a lot of people out there that are beaten up. Some of them are left for dead. Some of them seem to have no hope at all. People that have been through circumstances and some are more resilient than others. Some are impact. I mean, some have found strength and help. Some have found a faith. There's a lot of different things out there. But there's a lot of people, I'm reminded when I, when I focus on this parable, uh, there's a lot of people in my circle of influence that have been beaten up. The truth is, in your circle of influence, there are people that have been beaten up. You might not interact with them a lot, but they're there. And as much as you have eyes to stop on the road of life and see them and do what you can to help them, God will give you an opportunity. But they're there. And sometimes getting outside of our own comfort zones, which is always a challenge, always a challenge. And what's, re- what's best, what's right, what's balanced, all those things we talk about when we talk about how to see people in need. Good questions. But there are people within every one of our circles of influence that have been beaten up on the road. Some may be on the road because of their own choices too. But in Jesus' story, it's about being beaten up on the road. Left for dead. And then, ignored. Walked by. The priest, the Levi, of all people. Boy, Jesus knew what he was doing when he told this parable. The priest. Too busy. I'm sure we can relate to this all in different ways, but boy, I relate to that. What should I be doing with my time? A lot to consider. Too self-occupied. They already had the plan. They knew what they were going to do for that day. They, they knew. They had to get to work. They just, there's too much to do. Can relate. Too occupied. Is not Jesus speaking to us to be careful about that? 
maybe they thought, I mean, that's kind of what we think about them, that they didn't want to get their hands dirty, that touching this unclean man was not the right thing for the priest and the Levi to do. You just don't. That's unclean. I tell you what, people along the side of the road are often not very clean. People are hurting and broken. They got rough edges. They're bleeding. The lights are coming on. You know, maybe they thought, you know what? I'll wait until the person along the side of the road is, is in better shape. I'll be a little more comfortable. Or they just could have been lazy. That's possible too. I don't know. A lot of things to think about in this parable. And then there was a Samaritan that came by. The Samaritan. We don't like Samaritans. We know that, I think. Most of you know that. That Samaritans were not liked by the rest of the people. But it was a Samaritan in Jesus' story that stopped. See, the Samaritan could see this man broken by the side of the road with eyes different than the priest and the Levi. He saw him with, with love. He took the time to get off his donkey, walk over to him, pull out his oil, pull out the bandages. He took his time. There is no substitute for spending time with hurting people. He gave of himself. He got dirty. You read into the story, he he could have been at risk too for those guys, those robbers. But, whatever. He didn't let all the fear and all the possibilities and all the negative things that could have happened. You know, sometimes... Probably certain personalities tend to judge whether we should help people by, well, how can it go wrong? And that's, I know there's got to be wisdom and balance in places, but sometimes, too many times I'm thinking, that's really not, that's not the most important question. If I get beat up too, that's not the important question. It doesn't seem to be for Jesus' story anyway. He gave of himself. He got dirty. And he followed through. He did what he could. In your circle of influence, are you doing what you can? Tell you, the world has a lot of hurting people. We know that. You know that. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's my neighbor. Sometimes it's someone very near to me. A lot of hurting people in the world. And um, they come in all kinds of shapes and forms and sizes. Some are kind of the typical person we think of who's poor or homeless or some big physical need and it's part of it. And other times people are just hurting emotionally and broken and sinful. Sometimes it's a very young person 
Sometimes it's teenagers. Sometimes it's young adults whose lives have not gone the way that they want to. All the way through life, sometimes it's some of our oldest folks that may feel a lot like this broken man at times. The world has many hurting people. And the world probably has its share and enough priests and Levites. There are enough preachers to go around, I know that. But oh, oh, that all of God's people would embrace the heart of God about how we see people. Jesus calls us here to look at the world through His eyes. And that's a great privilege. One last scripture, then uh, a slide about the parable and we'll be finished. James chapter 1, verse 27 says this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself being polluted by the world. Boy, the widows and orphans, that just sometimes just keeps coming back to me. Who are the widows and orphans? There are a lot of broken children in our world. Sometimes I think if our church could just minister to broken children, it would be a full-time responsibility. And There's no doubt. Lord, help us to know how to do that. We want to do that. The parable. The parable shows us God's heart. So as Jesus said many times and we read, He who hath an ear to hear, let him hear. The parable is a reminder to see in love. See like Jesus does people. However, if, if Jesus was there and come across a situation you don't know whether you should get involved or not I, I know those are important deep questions and I don't mean to undermine how important wisdom and discernment is but at least to see the way Jesus does our priority has to be mercy that's the point of the parable and Jesus uses the term mercy what's mercy it's undeserved did the man on the road deserve mercy I I don't know. And then the challenge that Jesus gives at the end. Go and do likewise. Oh God, help us to go and do likewise. Whatever, wherever that circle of influence is, God, help us to be ready. the situations that come. Help us to have it decided already spiritually. You know what I mean by that? Like, we already know who we are. So that's already decided. It's already given to God. You know, God, I'm available. Whatever you want me to do, you show me. Be ready. Be watching. Sometimes listen more, watch more, you know. Get involved. And be like Jesus. Full of compassion. Our opening scripture. Who is a God like our God?
who is so full of compassion. Wow. What a beautiful thought. What a beautiful thought. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for seeking God together. That's what I pray for our church, that we will seek God together. We'll wrestle with things that sometimes aren't easy to wrestle with and say, God, what's in it here for me? Thanks for being here today and helping to do that. I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm going to ask our ushers to come and we're going to receive this offering for this Compassionate Ministry Center for HelpNet in Ashland. Thank you, Crystal, for coming and being with us and pray that God will open doors and continue to meet the needs of people in uh, that area. And you know, right here in Mifflinburg, <laughs> oh man, God, sometimes sometimes you pull into like sheets and there it is. Hurting person. What does God want for me? God lead us, guide us. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to know how we can live out the truth of this story that you gave to this man and those that heard it, I pray. Thank you that you're a compassionate God. Thank you that you're a patient God. Teach us, God. Help us, I pray. Thank you for helping that. Though I just know a little bit about it. I've been to the building once and seen a little bit. God, you know all about the lives that are impacted there. Thank you for Crystal and the staff there and all those that are working with people in that community. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them discernment. And uh, whatever you want for them, lead them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.